twisted tales of fairy. Be warned, all, that these are not the tales your parents told. So be brave of heart and sure of will, for the gypsy tells all tales, and only some of them are true. Once upon a time, about a century ago, there was a story in New Hampshire that caused much speculation and rumor about an heiress in a town called Bedford and the sleeping mansion that she inhabited. A noted author and her industrialist husband had finally lived the American dream and decided that they wanted to start a family. After years of trying to no avail, Mr. and Mrs. Wharton began to lose hope of having their own family. Then, finally, a miracle occurred, and Mrs. Wharton gave birth to a baby girl. The couple wanted the best for their child, so they sought every kind of blessing for her. Nothing was too good for their little Rosie. Let's see. We have the golden rattles and pram. She has been blessed by a Catholic priest, a Protestant minister, and a rabbi. Did we forget anything? We cannot be too careful. I came across some information that there are still those who believe that fairies still exist. We need to get them to bless her, too. Very well, dear. Arrange it, and I will make the necessary payment. Later in the week, the fairies were found, and the couple invited three fairies into their home for a ceremony. Each of the fairies made their blessings. Mrs. Wharton was not the loveliest thing to look at, so the first fairy gave the child beauty. May she be as radiant as the flower she is named for, and her wit as sharp as the rose's thorns. <laughs> Let her be as graceful as can be, and may she have the musical ability to make the birds sing. As the third fairy stepped forward to bless the child, the main doors to the house burst open. Hmm, how rude. You cannot simply barge into people's houses and break doors down. Indeed, it is highly uncivilized. As is inviting my three sisters to your daughter's christening, and not me. Really, Maleficent? Black to a baby shower. Do you ever wear another color? I don't really think that is relevant here, Flora. Maleficent, you are not invited because we told them not to invite you. You always ruin a good party. But I have my own gift to bring. Dear little child, you shall indeed be fair and graceful for all of your life. A life that will end before you are a woman. For when you come of age, you shall prick your finger on a spinning wheel and die. Outraged by this curse, Mr. and Mrs. Wharton let go of their rules of how to behave in public and began shouting at Maleficent. Take it back! You monster! Leave! Get out of our house! Get out now! <laughs> Very well. Until we meet again, little Rose. 
Mr. and Mrs. Wharton began a systematic sweep of their home to find any and all spinning wheels that they had on display and promptly burned them. Flora and Fauna shooed Maleficent out of the house and began cleaning up the mess she had made. Again. While all this commotion was going on, no one noticed Merriweather place her blessing on the child. Never fear, little one. You shall not die should her curse come to pass. Instead, you shall sleep for a hundred years, or until a noble young man frees you with a kiss. Once all of the commotion had died down, the Whartons had no idea how to protect their child from a curse that may or may not come true. We can take her until she comes of age. Then we will return her to you. No, no, she must be home before she is sixteen. We will have a debutante party in her honor, and hopefully several prospective husbands for her. But wouldn't it be wiser to... Before she is sixteen, she will be home again. Thank you for your assistance. Should you need anything for her care, let us know. So the fairies stayed in their human form for the next fifteen years. They took residence in a little village called Ware. This, to the dismay of many of the younger inhabitants, gave a literal meaning to the phrase, We live in the middle of nowhere. And what is your point, Rosie? How am I ever supposed to find a husband if he can't find me? Your time will come, child. But now you must get back to your studies. I don't want to study. All that reading and writing makes my head and fingers hurt. Besides, how will it help me in the long run since I will be stuck in where all my life? Then why don't you help me with supper? Oh, no, she won't. The last time she undercooked the food and we all got food poisoning. And the time before that it was so burnt, there was nothing left of it. Ugh. You all are so boring. I'm going out. Well, don't talk to strangers. And collect some firewood. We're running low. Oh, shove it. I'll talk to who I please and fetch what I please. Thank the goddess. I thought she would never leave. I don't think we realized what we were getting ourselves into when we offered to take her in. Who knew that the blessings we gave her would become such a burden? Looking back, I should have given her modesty. Kindness. Intelligence. What? Oh, don't look at me that way. You are both thinking it, too. She's as dense as a rock and thinks a mirror is her best friend. As the fairies <laughs> reveled in all the things that they should have given her, they reflected on how rebellious and displeasing her company had become. She would not stand a conversation that was not about her, and frequently, due to lack of study, would have unintelligible things to say. Finally, Rosie's sixteenth birthday was fast approaching, and the three fairies revealed the truth about who Rosie was to her. Ha! Ha ha! I know it! I knew I couldn't be related to you three frumpy old biddies! So when do we leave? Let's go to my mansion. Let's get out of this hellhole. It won't be so bad once you're gone. Come on, dear. We need to hurry. There are only three days until your debut. You have a lot of training to do to make you suitable for society. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm pretty and rich. What else do people care about? Once in the company of her real parents... They doted on her and began their immediate show oh, of lavish my affection. darling Rosie is so beautiful. Just gorgeous. Now, sweetheart, we need to get you into some appropriate attire. That's right. No rags for our little girl. 
We need to make sure you look simply radiant for your special day. Tell me, darling, what type of entertainment do you want for your evening? Well, Daddy, I've heard of these, um, hippotists who make people do silly things. It would be a riot to see people do funny things while all dressed up. Oh, oh, a hypnotist. Oh, darling, I think we can manage that. Hmm? Anything for my precious Rose. We will get you a hypnotist and all the best food. You look simply starved. Oh, thank you, Mommy. Daddy, you are what I've always dreamed of for parents. I can't wait for this debut. Oh, what will I wear? We will go into town first thing tomorrow to pick something out for you. Oh, isn't it wonderful to be home? Come now, like your father said, you need something to eat. Um, Mr. Wharton? Sh shouldn't we tell her about the curse? Warn her about it? Oh, nonsense. We have never allowed a single spinning wheel in our home and we will have people inspecting the gifts at the door to make sure that nothing hurts our little girl. She is an angel, isn't she? That's not the word I would use to describe her. What was that? Nothing. She just said Rosie is a lovely creature. She is indeed. Ah, and now to settle with your payment. And Mr. Wharton paid off the fairies with a sum of several acres of land to be protected from the industrialists. The day of the debut was at hand, and many extravagant measures had been taken to flaunt the Wharton's wealth, from the vast buffet to feed all of southern New Hampshire, to the circus of entertainers who included a fire-eater, jugglers, fortune-tellers, and a hypnotist. And how do you like your party, darling? It's all right. I just wish the gentleman would talk to me for more than a minute. It's like... They want nothing to do with me once I start talking. They're just intimidated by how lovely you are, darling. No worries. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would all gather in the dining hall, we are about to begin the show. I wonder, would the lady of the evening care to be my guest on stage? Rosie, dearest, he is talking to you. Oh! Well, um, I want to make sure you won't make me look like a fool first. You will choose someone before me? As you wish. So the hypnotist took another young lady and an older gentleman and made them dance around the stage and behave like animals and so on until it appeared that Rosie was confident that no one would remember her embarrassment. Now then, relax. Feel yourself fall into a deep, deep sleep. And when I count to three and snap my fingers, you will be under my subliminal control. One, two, three. As the hypnotist began, the fairies, Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather, arrived. Remind me why we are here. Because Rosie will be hypnotized. And seeing her make a fool of herself is probably worth all the torture she put us through. And the free food is good, too. Hmm. Points taken. Oh, look. We're just in time for the main event. <laughs> Say, does the hypnotist look familiar to anyone else? Oh, no. 
As the fairies realized the identity of the hypnotist was Maleficent, they began to discreetly make their way to the platform, in order to end the entertainment. Now then, my dear, I want you to think about an old cottage deep in the woods. You open the door and look around inside. By the fireplace, there is an old spinning wheel. Reach out and touch it. No, don't do it! This has gone far enough. End this spell. There is a needle. Ouch! It's sharp. The rest of the party guests were taken aback from what had just occurred, and they all began to stare, and the hysterics of Mr. and Mrs. Wharton, who were holding each other, crying and screaming at the hypnotist. Then the hypnotist changed from a laughing man to a woman in dark, unworldly clothes. On that note, the party guests quickly filed out of the house. (laughs) You are too late now, sisters. The spell has been cast, and my revenge is complete. The little brat is dead. What? What? How is she not dead? You always forget about me, and this time it's gonna cost you. She is in a deep sleep, and in one hundred years she will wake. And by then, you and I will be dead and gone. You little meddling bitch. Fine. Since she'll be stuck here, so will all of you enjoy your lives together. What What is that supposed to mean? Fauna's answer came as the crackling sounds of wood thundered outside of the mansion. A forest of thorns had risen on the grounds, making it impossible for them to leave. Well, I suppose there is. Merryweather? Help me get her to the sofa and I will explain after. And so it was that Rosie was displayed in the sitting room, as beautiful as a porcelain doll for her rescuer to see and give her her first kiss. A hundred years had passed and stories from the party guests turned into myth and legend. The Courtyard of Thorns became a home for fisher cats, wild dogs, and other animals that would threaten any human with injury or death if they entered. One who was not as afraid was a college freshman called John Prince. Huh. So this is the sleepy mansion. Doesn't look that bad. I've got my camera and cell for proof that I was here. And I have my forty-five in case of trouble. Okay, let's look at those thorns. Damn, they're so dry I can just push through most of it. What the... That's what I thought. Damn, all this fuss over a few animals and some dried-up branches. A few cuts and tears of clothing later, John Prince had made it to the door of the mansion and with effort... ...moved the door that had nearly rusted shut. Okay, supposedly there's a chicken here. I wonder if it's just a bunch of... Whoa. At the entrance of the mansion were the sleeping figures of Mr. and Mrs. Wharton and the three fairies. This spooked John for a moment, but as he scanned the room, he saw on the sofa in the sitting room the most gorgeous blonde. They weren't lying. She is fine. Let me just move these cobwebs out of the way. 
There. All right, baby. Let's see if this story is true. Huh? What happened? Where did everyone go? Who are you? Ugh, don't touch me! Is that any way to treat the man who just saved your life? What do you mean, saved my life? I probably fell asleep after the party and you found me here sleeping and planned to do goodness knows what. Well, I won't have it, servant. You can go fetch my father. He won't have me joined to such filth. You just stay away! Bitch! That is not worth being in a frat. As he began to leave the mansion... The fairies and Mr. and Mrs. Wharton began to awake from their slumber. <sighs> Zombies! Die, motherfuckers! What are zombies? I have no idea. But now this is all over. Let's get out of here. Agreed. People in this time are so strange. So, Flora, Fauna, and Merriweather went off into their forest and did their best to avoid man and their foolish requests. As for John Prince, he focused more on his studies and wrote a best-selling novel about his experiences. And as for the Whartons, well, we leave that to your imagination. Twisted Tales of Fairy presents Sleeping Beauty, written by Laura Frechette. Produced by Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard. Post-produced by Alex Gilmore. Featuring Kurt Palmer as the narrator. Mike Stokes as Mr. Wharton. Julie Hoverson as Mrs. Wharton. Shane Nolan as Flora. Cheryl Cunningham as Fauna. Gwendolyn Jensen Woodard as Merriweather. Jennifer Avila as Maleficent. Morgan Barnhart as Rosie, and Glenn Bartram as John Prince. The music was by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com, and the sound effects were courtesy of Soundsnap.com. Released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivative work 3.0.